hit me. From Studio P, Sausalito, home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. The number one comedy podcast about comedy... Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast commentator, Mark Hershon. Welcome back to Suckatash, or if you've not been here before, welcome the first time to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. I am your host, Mark Hershon, and uh, I want to start things off by thanking people for downloading last episode, episode three, with our guest co-host Dana Carvey. Had a lot of nice comments on that. Uh, it was great to have him in the studio with us. And of course, it is still available uh, through iTunes and also through SuckatashShow.com. So uh, if you haven't heard the Dana Carvey episode, uh, please give it a listen. Um, this week, we don't have an ordinary format here at Suckatash yet. It seems almost every show we've changed things up a little bit. Last week we had Dana Carvey in, uh, but we do always play clips from comedy podcasts, which we will be doing today. But it will be interspersed with an interview I did last weekend with uh, Dean Haglin and Phil Lairness. They have a podcast called the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour. And uh, so they were in San Jose, which is just a stone's throw from Studio P, last uh, Saturday for their world premiere of The Truth Is Out There, which is a documentary they've made about uh, conspiracy theories. And uh, they were uh, kind enough to sit still for uh, a while and let me interview them prior, just prior to the premiere. It was very exciting. And uh, here's the first segment of the uh, interview where we uh, get to know who these guys are just a little bit. So uh, for uh, for the listeners of Suckatash who aren't uh, maybe familiar with All right. you by your voices. Let's do that. Dean Haglin. Of course you've loved him <laughs> as Langley, one of the computer hacking lone gunmen. Yes. Nine seasons of the X-Files mm -hmm. and their own spinoff series. Okay. Uh, you've, you've certainly enjoyed him in three episodes of VIP with Pamela Anderson. Yes. I've enjoyed me in three episodes. You've you've been downright perplexed by him <laughs> as Timmons, the villain in Face of Evil, starring Rick, Ricky, or Richard Schroeder. He, Dick Schroeder. No, maybe. not Dick. Never Dick. It's Rick Schroeder. He preferred not Ricky. Uh, so, in addition to to uh, quite the acting things. career, of course, Dean Haglund is uh, a classically trained improv comic. <laughs> That's right. I like that. that. Classically trained. trained. It's yeah. true. Yeah. And uh, I just didn't pick it up. You had to learn that <laughs> stuff. An artist. Yes. A dancer. And uh, of course, an inventor. Yes. The and chill pack. The chill pack. Also a, a Tesla coil in grade nine. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't invent it. That would be an insult to Nikola Tesla, of course. So I did this. You could talk about me, Dave. Like you, you, you should. You could talk about me. Phil did a movie called Party Crashers. <laughs> I did. Yeah, UCLA grad. Uh, his elitist school years of the uh, nice. of the UCLA. Okay. Yes, where he was a film major. Uh, but mention okay. the most favorite thing that you always say about about Phil's background uh, uh, and expertise when you intro. You know that. <laughs> you know that thing about when yes. I'm not too busy singing like uh, Frank Sinatra. Frank I Sinatra. dance just like Fred Astaire. He's a violence prevention specialist. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's right. You love that. Exactly. Don't you I love that? I do. <laughs> exactly. It's like what a yeah violence prevention specialist. He actually goes to schools and and tells people even prisons sometimes even prisons. and and uh, either people who are at risk for perpetrating violence mm -hmm. or. Uh, already have, or um, survivors of, of domestic violence, or relationship violence. I know, you yeah. think we're all comedic, but look at that, he's got exactly. like a thing, 
And, and and what's odd is the amount of resentment that flows from me to him and back and forth. He's never struck me. <laughs> so he's done very well. Never in the face. Never where it would show up on camera. <laughs> That's right. It's always just been verbal. Yeah. Very Late at night with the soap in the uh, pillowcase. Oh boy. oh, boy. But that's just hazing. <laughs> that, that's how I thought we got the podcast done. <laughs> right, in Winnipeg, that's known as Tuesday night. Tuesday night. That's hilarious. Well, you know, I've, I've featured a couple of clips from uh, from your show on Sockatash already. Thank you. Um, and I remember, uh, I think, Phil, you mentioned that uh, you guys don't regard yourself as a comedy podcast. You're, right. Your show, your show is really about sort of in and around show business. Right. We try um, to, like, show it from the inside. We are independent filmmakers, yeah. as it were, and so we think... I think that our audience may be many other independent filmmakers that listen to us to, you know, uh, get tips, learn the process, uh, commiserate when things go bad, celebrate when things go good. So, uh, and yet, uh, yet you are a classically trained improvisational comedian. <laughs> yes. And your, is, your show, you guys often say really funny things. So I, I, for me, you fall into the jurisdiction of comedy. Well, there we go. Yeah, they are often very funny. Uh, so there's. Uh, we'll get back to uh, Dean and Phil in just a moment. But first, let's get to our first comedy podcast slice of the episode. This is uh, from How Did This Get Made? Uh, it's a show with Paul Shear, June Raphael, and Jason Mansukas. And they also have a, a celebrity guest every episode. In this case, it was Adam Pally. And uh, in this show, they talk about uh, how certain really bad Hollywood movies got made. Or they ask the question why, because they often don't know the answers. Um, and this is from a mini version of the show that uh, they often feature a little tiny piece talking about the movie Mac and Me. And this next movie, man, I've only heard about it. I've never seen it. Blew my mind. I, I think the pitch kind of went down like this. Hey, you like E.T., right? Yeah, we, lo we love E.T. Uh, why don't we make E.T.? Well, we can't make E.T. We get sued. Uh, well, our E.T. will be different. Well, uh, how? We'll put a kid in a wheelchair. Oh, uh, that seems a little extreme. Okay, what else? Uh, instead of Reese's Pieces, he likes Skittles. Uh, it still seems pretty similar. No, 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 no. He needs Coke to live. Cocaine? No, no. Coca-Cola. Wait, all right, well, this, sound, this sounds a little... I, I don't know. It sounds a little bad. I, maybe we should do something a little bit different. No, no, no. It's E.T. We're going to get everyone to pay for it. Sears, McDonald's. Hell, we'll even call the character Mac, like a Big Mac, and we'll have a giant dance scene in McDonald's. Fuck it. I'm sold. And they, that's how they made this movie. This movie is bonkers. It's violent, number one. It's very violent. There's a kid in a wheelchair, and you think, oh, that's interesting. He's like a, a capable kid. But no, every time he's in that wheelchair, he's falling down hills. It has a zero rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Zero. It's viewed as one of the worst movies of the decade, but none of the decade, of ever. I'm sorry. The worst movie of ever, of all time. And I believe it's the only movie that has Ronald McDonald introducing the trailer. Here, take a listen. Hi, kids. It's me, Ronald McDonald. And I'm on the set of my very first motion picture ever. It's a movie called Mac and Me. And it stars my little friend from outer space here. His name is Mac, and I want to introduce you to him. Mac? Anybody seen Mac? Where'd he go? Aging Ronald McDonald. Listen, I've got to go now. You're wanted in makeup. <laughs> Makeup? Me? <laughs> okay, 
first of all, that's creepy, that end. Makeup, me? <laughs> he says, maniacally laughing. I'm not afraid of clowns. That introduction is freaky. It's weird. He's on set. Ronald McDonald also shouldn't speak, ever. I, I feel like he should just be dancing around. I don't like him speaking. I don't like him speaking as an actor. That This is his big movie role. This movie is crazy. And multiple times during it, I just believe like during the writing of it, they must have said, ah, who gives a shit? It's for kids. It's an hour and 45 minutes. I believe 30 minutes is dialogue scenes. The rest is just long montages of people walking, running, chasing. This movie is amazing. There are big fight scenes in a Sears, a giant dance scene in a McDonald's, like I mentioned. It's crazy. I've only heard about it. Obviously, you may have seen the clip of the wheelchair falling into the ravine on Conan O'Brien. It's worth the rest of the time to watch it. And watching the movie, I actually thought to myself, there's no redeemable lesson from this movie at all, really. So the game that we're going to play for this episode is, if you can find a moral of this movie... Uh, post it on our Facebook fan page at How Did This Get Made or on our Earwolf.com page and give us a moral that you took from this movie because I can't find one besides the fact that aliens are scary but not that bad. I guess that that's not a moral, but it's just a thing that I learned. <laughs> also, I learned that Coke is better for dehydration than water. Another fun fact from the folks at How Did This Get Made, which you can find at Earwolf.com, also at iTunes. Uh, I like one of the uh, the tagline from their website, which is, because the best part of a bad movie is talking about it afterwards. And then they have a note, for fullest enjoyment, watch the movie before listening, which I guess would make sense. Otherwise, it's just a movie full of, or a, a show full of spoilers. Uh, let's get back to our interview with Phil and Dean, where they talk about what they deal with on Chill Pack Hollywood Hour. I, I, I think, you know, part of what we do best is we talk about issues that, uh, because we do talk about things that uh, aren't necessarily show business related. We True. will talk about, I mean, everything from conspiracy and occasionally yes. we'll, we'll, we'll deal with issues that are in the news or politics or what have you. School closings. School closings, <laughs> celebrity deaths. Celebrity deaths. And we always tend to filter those conversations, though, I think, in, in a twofold way. One, through how those stories are being depicted by the media. Right. And then how we approach those conversations, probably as storytellers and artists, and how maybe the conversations surrounding those issues could perhaps be elevated in a way that could nourish all of us instead of keeping us apart. Right. So I think those are the two things that, that we, we also do. And uh, at, at least for me, it's more interesting, it's more fun, it's more effective, and it invites more people in when we manage to avoid taking ourselves seriously, even if it is an issue that we do take right. seriously. And if we don't agree with each other, there's still a sense of fun, and it's not become adversarial and you're full of crap and, <laughs> and whatever, you know. I think it's fun. I think it's fun when people hear people disagreeing and know, oh, those people are friends because I feel like, you know, when I was growing up, I loved watching with my parents, you know, some of the, the news magazine shows, and you would have, you would have people pontificating from the right and the left, and they were friends. Right. Yes. I, I feel like that's, that's we really lost that. Oh, really I, lost that. I, I think as uh, maybe as Americans, we become very <laughs> soft as far as just the the art of social interchange. Goes. Right. I mean, when I have business clients in in Europe, they often argue points over and over again, and I had to learn it's because they enjoy 
the banter back and forth yeah. to try and be proven that they're wrong. The other thing, though, is it's it's just fun when you have friends and you invite people into your life who elevate the bar for you in your own thinking, even when you do believe you're right. Well, if you do believe you're right, well, then it seems to me you would welcome any chance yes. to even Listen. elevate and, and, and improve your approach towards expressing that which you know. Right. Good point. And where do you ever hear that on podcasts nowadays? And have a laugh. That's right. And learn about filmmaking. So, so you guys may not regard yourselves as this, but I, I kind oh. of think of you guys as sort of uh, podcast royalty. Sort of in the general sense because you guys just celebrated your fourth anniversary. Yes. Doing That's now 200. We're at episode 210. I think uh, I think tonight we're doing a live installment from the Retrodome, and that will be episode two ten. You guys are really the first podcast that I started listening to. Really, and then I started listening to other podcasts. But ah. it was really uh, because I, I, you and I hooked up uh, at Mills Valley at Mark Pitta show, Mark right? Mark Pitta show. We were talking, and you told me about the podcast. So I said, "Wow, I, I've never really delved into the world of podcasting at right. that time." So I started listening to you guys, and it was great. And then, wow. you know, I've, I've run the gamut since then and came up with the concept for Succotash along the way. Uh, but it really was the thing that kind of got me into, wow, this is great, to the point that now I don't listen to the radio in my car. Oh, really? Well, you I, just have, I, have, oh. I now have to listen to so many comedy podcasts right. for my show that, that you're sick I just of them. listen off, off of my, my iPhone through Bluetooth into my mm -hmm. car stereo. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. It is really cool. I, I don't even remember what my car radio sounds like. Literally, it's the way it is. Uh, we'll get back to the interview with those guys, but first let's uh, get a little snippet from Doug Loves Movies. This is with comedian Doug Benson, who actually has a couple of podcasts. Uh, this is just one of them. And uh, in this, he, uh, he talks about movies. He has guests, in this case, uh, Paul F. Tompkins. This was done live in front of a, uh, an audience at a club in Los Angeles. And they often talk just about movies. They also play something called the Leonard Malton game. Uh, the conversations can go on a bit, and the, sh the shows are really funny, but it's hard to slice out just a chunk about a movie because they go on so much. So in this segment, I have Paul F. Tompkins uh, from a recent episode talking about a well, it's a somewhat random story that doesn't have a whole lot to do with movies. May I share a quick story with you? Sure. <laughs> when I was doing uh, open You're mics in so Philadelphia, uh, when I first started stand-up, there was a, uh, a woman, an older woman named Joyce, who was one of the comics, one of the regular comics, and she had the craziest opener that I'd ever heard. She was a woman in her 60s, an Af elderly African-American woman, and she would come out on stage and say, how many people out there think they look like me? <laughs> And there would there be very few takers. There, well, there would be no takers. There would be a very <laughs> confused silence. Nobody thinks they look like her. Well, I always imagine, like, when, were you supposed to really take stock at that point? Like, I guess I have to admit, I look like Joyce. <laughs> or were you supposed to, like, spot the people in the audience? Like, that guy should be raising his hand. He clearly looks like Joyce. That's weird. That's a thinker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a thinker. I think about it to this day, Jen. Apparently. I think about it to this day. That's the whole story? That's a shitty thing to say to someone. <laughs> it is? What? Yeah, I like it. Just, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to give it a big build up like I did. Yeah, with your whole, can I tell a story? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, can you? <laughs> Turns out, not really. <laughs> no, it was, a good, it was good. It was fun. It had a lot to do with movies. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how strict you are in the movie theater. I am Doug. very strict. Yeah. Because I. Uh, the, Where's Lisa Lampinelli? Because this feels like a mofo and roast up in here. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's just amazing. You know, Paul, because you're in the, you're in the business and you're on Twitter. The messages you get from people, the messages I get where people are like, "Oh, finally, a show, an episode where you talked about movies." Like we get off of movies, maybe five, ten percent of the episode at most, <laughs> and people are still like, "When are you going to talk about movies on your movie show?" Like after everyone, 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 the whole thing. Yeah, they yeah. give me so yeah, like the Leonard Maltin game. How can we not talk about movies during the Leonard Maltin game? It's all about movies. Do you write back? When are you going to lose your virginity, nerd? Oh! That's why I've been yeah. writing that a lot. Get, the, get out of your fucking mother's basement yeah. and do some shit with your life. Yeah. Unless you're 13, then stay for a while. And right? You go to like, get an education. You look like Joyce, I would say. <laughs> Doug Loves Movies with Doug Benson. That was Paul F. Tompkins. Uh, you can get that at DougLovesMovies.com. Also from iTunes. Uh, I want to thank the Henderson Pants Company for continuing their sponsorship of our program. And, in fact, we have a, a brand-new commercial from, uh, from a new line they have out. Friends, summer is just around the corner, so you might be thinking to yourself, gosh, it's time to get out the suntan lotion, rubber thongs, and good old Bermuda shorts. Stop right there, Pilgrim. Did you know that every time you slip on a pair of their shorts, the British Protectorate of Bermuda receives a two-cent royalty? That's right, which is why Henderson's Pants, a loyal and legal corporate entity of these United States since 1896, is introducing their Wake Island abbreviated trousers. Roomy and comfortable like the Bermuda shorts you've come to love, but with the freedom that comes from knowing you won't be helping out the subjects of our former British oppressors. The stylish Wake Island abbreviated trousers are named for the unincorporated tiny landmass in the North Pacific, which is a legal U.S. protectorate. Now, when those hot, sticky days of summer hit, slip on a pair of Henderson's Wake Island abbreviated trousers and go for a stroll on the beach, around the pool, or through the mall. Feel free to wear briefs, boxers, or nothing at all under your new snazzy and 100% American abbreviated trousers, because as a U.S. citizen, you have the right to stow your junk any way you choose. Originally designed for the U.S. Department of Immigration, Trout Farmers, and Dark Seedy Theaters, that's Henderson's Wake Island abbreviated trousers, available wherever things you put your legs into are sold. And now back to more of Suckatash. We got reviewed a couple weeks ago by some show in, I think it's Australia, that reviews wow. podcasts. Wow. And, and they reviewed us and... Hated it. Kind <laughs> of. They were... It was interesting, this idea of podcast royalty, because I almost felt like they were very respectful because of kind of what we've accomplished in the amount, you know, mm-hmm. having been at it for so long. And uh, at the same time... They they did they did say we're very knowledgeable, very informative, very insightful. The knock on us was that of late we've become very repetitive. That it's all about our movie all oh. the time, and they did make the caveat of saying that we only have now the past twelve episodes up. Oh right, so, so that's all hear. they could. Oh, I see. And of course, the yeah. first hundred and eighty episodes we never talked about. We right. never did. We talked about anything. Right. 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 You right. missed our uh, and live, we still. Uh, and this was one thing that I love to point out. We really Thank we you. actually got into this thing of calling when we begin every show by saying to the audience, "It's your Chill Pack Hollywood yes, Hour," right. and we really mean it because we love nothing better than. Uh, being able to do a show where we're just answering questions and talking about what is on the, the listeners, of everyone's list. Yeah, a, yeah, be it a question about production or screen.
screenwriting or just uh, what the hell's your debating problem? and uh, yeah, an observation that we made or being offended by something that one of us said. I don't think we need to mention names, but it's probably me. But we love it. It really is fun. Yeah. Um, to be able it, because it does make us feel a little bit like part of society. And the ones, the shows that we're putting back up because when we change servers, you know, crazy, yeah. crazy. Uh, so we're putting back up a lot of the old shows. It was a good year or so before we committed to an hour long yes. each episode. And we did that because of listener feedback. People often would listen to us at work and would say they wanted to know that it was a specific length because they would listen to us at the and, gym or something. Or, or no, especially at work, and they would know how much time had yeah. passed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, I get to go in an hour. Why don't I put this on now and I'll know that my day at work is done. done. Yes, exactly. Exactly. All right, our next clip comes from the Adam Carolla Show. First of all, congratulations to Adam and his team. They recently res- uh, got into the Guinness Book of World Records for having the most downloaded podcast in the world. So congratulations, and I am envious. Uh, he had an interview uh, this last week uh, with one of my comedy idols. Um, if you were a fan of uh, Comedy Minus One, was one of his albums. Uh, any of his movies, um, then perhaps you too are a fan of Albert Brooks, who's a bit of a recluse. Um, doesn't really come out very much, but he just uh, finished writing a book. It's a fiction book called 2030, where he looks at uh, the world in about 20 years from now and uh, how it might look. Uh, in talking uh, with Adam Carolla, uh, they talk about, uh, among other things, uh, the phenomena Albert calls the complice salt where somebody uh, starts to give you a compliment, but it always somehow turns into an insult. (laughs) So uh, let's uh, listen in on a little bit of the conversation between Adam and Albert. I did 40 Johnny Carson shows and never repeated anything. I did some of my best stuff once and once only. And, you know, people will come up, uh, the comp of the CompuSalt, and say, I remember where I was when I saw that thing on Carson. Oh, my God, thank you. How come your movies never got that funny? Get out of here! <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, it, it's, it's weird that people cannot string together a sentence without eventually getting insulting, and then people... Well, you know, it's funny, because imagine us with somebody... I mean, I don't know if people think that you really want to hear... You know, I, had, I did that Vanity Fair Proust questionnaire, and they said, what is the thing you dislike most? And I said, honesty from strangers. Sure. Because I don't, you know, what, what, does Jonas Salk want me to come up to him and say, oh, my God, congratulations on polio. Right. You know, you didn't really get the muscular dystrophy, did you? <laughs> uh, I, I love it when people compliment me. I, and, and people it's terrific. Get, and I've had this as, as the boss uh, in, in certain times of my career. People come up after someone would compliment me. Someone else would come up and go, you know, that guy's just brown-nosing you because you're the boss. And I'd say, even better. Great. That's a better compliment. I love brown-nosing. It's better than an actual compliment. It's all, by the way, it's, you know, you understand certain professions how if you're president of the United States, you're surrounded by brown-nosing as well you should be. Right. Because why should you pay attention to what Rush Limbaugh says about you? You need to be... Brown-nosing is an important... It's, an, it's important for people in power. So they, they need it. I, I concur. And, 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 and you actually produce more testosterone the more... And maybe that's why these guys all have these affairs because they get all the brown-nosing, they start producing more testosterone and then they take it out on the help. I don't know. If, if, if Nixon you, never had an affair. If you, uh, 
We assume he didn't. Oh, he couldn't have. <laughs> I, I think, you know, I I'd, I'd even think he'd have trouble with a maid. You know, he was just too scary. He could. He, he, he seemed too uptight. Like, it seemed like maybe he'd wear the top part of his suit and draw, take his pants down and do it that no, way. No, I just, I don't see it. I don't see it. He was too busy hating everything. I'd like to see a, a, you know, they do those rankings of, you know, Hollywood's most beautiful women or best bikini bodies. I would like the who no one could picture having sex. Oh, the list would be huge. It would be massive. Oh. Yeah, I'd like to think I'd be in the middle, not toward the top. I don't know if you'd make the list. Ooh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> a compu- that's a comp result. That's a comp result. <laughs> so if you had your druthers, yeah. and I guess you do, uh, Making films, writing books. Well, this was the, the, I I mean, I've, you know, the book forced me to go out and start to do some of these shows again, and I am enjoying it more now. I don't know why. I think because as I'm getting older, there's less, I don't care as much, and that's that's an important aspect in life. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you know, you can only, you can say that to people, but you have to care at 20. Right. I mean, you have to, or you're never going to make it. But I care, and but it's it's not like the it's it's not the make or break feeling that I once had. But the book was, I mean, I I I like movies, and I I'm acting in a movie actually right now at this yeah. minute. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. going. That's tearing can up. It's like it's. The one time in my life I was invited to Cannes and I had a book, oh, I can't go, I'm going to go do Kimmel. Right. But, you know, it was, it, I mean, what, what am yeah. I going to do? But, uh, but, but the book was the most freeing writing experience I ever had yeah. because of the, constri- the constriction of writing movies to small budgets mm-hmm. is palpable. Yes. You, you know, you, you just, it takes you about three movies and then you don't even let yourself think of anything yeah, expensive. no volcano scene. Nothing. Right, nothing. right. The first movie, I, when I, I made real life, mm-hmm. and I had a scene at the end where they burn up the house, and I had a horse had to die. And, you know, I just rode in a dead horse, and I had like a four-hour discussion with a guy at Warner's about, how much do you think that costs? How, how are you going to do that? Right. Well, you know how much it is to kill a horse? Sure. I said, I don't know. Don't they, aren't there horses dying all day? Right. How do they make glue? I mean, right. I believed that. Sure. You know. Oh, man, that's a great, great interview. He, he had him for like an hour and a half, too. It was a fantastic interview. That's Adam Carolla, adamcarolla.com, iTunes. Um, and if you're at all a comedy nerd, you love Albert Brooks, or you don't even quite know who he is because maybe you're a little too young, uh, definitely check it out. He's, he's great, fantastic. And don't forget to get his book, 2030. <clears throat> I'm giving him a plug. He's not even doing my show. But maybe if I plug, he'll do my show. I don't know. Uh, so let's get back to uh, Dean Haglin and Phil Ernest. You know, one of the things I like about the world of podcasts is it can be 32 minutes long. Right. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard the Larry Miller show this week with Larry oh, yeah. Miller. Yeah. One of my favorite storytellers. Great. He's funny so guy. good. Fantastic. And he doesn't seem to care. 47 minutes, 27 minutes. It just, which is, it's great. It's totally great. Well, working with the with Joe, my producer, he's got that in his head. It's got to be. We got to make the hour. Right. So it's great to have that discipline because I wouldn't do it like, oh, 52 minutes. Uh, That's okay. No, no, see, we got find another clip. We got to put something else. But there. for us too, we talk so much that it's actually the problem's the opposite. We got to keep it within yeah. an hour because yeah. we could go on, but we we stop after, yeah. you know, 
Some of our shows go 102, 104 sometimes, but... Sometimes, for some strange reason, you put the end music so far away from the show <laughs> that we have a couple shows on iTunes that are an hour 26. <laughs> right. But it's 24 minutes of hiss, and then the end. <laughs> and then the end music so, kicks yeah. in. It's kind of like those pages they sometimes put at the end of the book that says notes at the top. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just just talk to yourself page. for the next 24 minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Until the music comes up. Think about what, what you, you just read. Show. What did you think? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> just think about what you just heard. This is what we mean by your Chopak Hollywood. <laughs> just record over this part. Next up, we've got uh, the Titus Podcast with comedian Christopher Titus. Uh, this is a show he does with Bombshell Ray and stuntman Tommy. Uh, Chris Titus uh, kicks off his podcast, which he advertises as never unbiased, always unbalanced, uh, with a rant called the Armageddon Update, and it goes a little something like this. I'm Christopher Titus, and this is the Armageddon Update. Well, well, well. It's that time again, isn't it? Huh? It's election time. That's right. Instead of running the country for the next 18 months, politicians will be running their mouths and effectively lying to the American people so they can have the most powerful job on the planet. You know, I'm amazed at the narcissism that it takes to run for president. Almost as much as it takes to think you can be a stand-up comedian or have a podcast. <laughs> what? But president, really? You believe that you're the smartest, fairest, most insightful person on the planet? That you can run 400 million people? That you can bring justice to all people and bring peace when no one in history ever could? Really? Okay, you're obviously crazy, so here's $100 million to run for president. What? Owe me? I'm a lobbyist. You don't owe me. For that $100 million? I'll tell you what, though. If you get elected, buddy, you let me sleep in the Lincoln bedroom, okay? <laughs> oh, and let us deregulate the financial system, okay? Oh, oh, and kill all environmental protections. Oh, and make sure when I get busted with that 13-year-old Taiwanese sex slave, you pardon me with no jail time and then have her delivered back to my jet before the court closes. That's all I want if you make the president with my money. Cool? Thank you, Mr. President. Why would someone want to be president? It's the toughest, most thankless job on the planet. No sleep for four years. Everyone's up your ass. Jon Stewart is on you like the Taliban on a woman going to school. Why do these people want to run things? Because they are mentally ill. I believe it's a disorder. W-B-P-S-M-D-W-F-L-M disorder. I want to be president so my daddy will finally love me disorder. That's what I'm calling it. I mean, look at the last two presidents. W had more daddy issues than a lesbian stripper. He knew he could never live up to his father's reign as president, vice president, and head of the CIA. And Obama's dad left him back when Africa still had Tarzan. You know, his dad visited Barack one time in his whole life. Man, you know that after Captain Bin Laden, Obama curled up in Michelle's arms. <laughs> Daddy would love me now. And Clinton's father was killed in a car accident before he was born. He was, he was a mama's boy who needs a father, which makes him need to pick women that look like a dude. Sorry, Hillary. He chose Lewinsky, and she was a linebacker. And he was the president. He could escort anything. So let's look at the new crop of guys. I mean, Gingrich's dad left when he was a baby. Or maybe Gingrich's mom was just a total bitch. Either way, Palin's dad said she could be anything she set her mind to. And she did. But he forgot to tell her that once you get there, you should probably read a book or at least a magazine. And then we have Trump. Trump's dad gave him everything, and including the business which makes him arrogant and entitled, which makes him the perfect American presidential candidate. You know, we need to get the drug companies on a cure for wannabe president so my daddy will finally love me disorder. They could take a pill so maybe these men could wake up and look in the mirror and realize that they have nothing to prove, that they can just be. Then they could still run for president as their own men who don't look to the past and childhood pain to run this great nation, but to the future of the world. As men with no anger and no revenge in their hearts, men who want one thing, to help the people of this great land. 
You know what the downside to that is? We wouldn't have the two-year election freak show we've all grown to love so much. I'm Christopher Titus, and this is the Armageddon Update. Christopher Titus, who uh, got his start here in the San Francisco Bay Area on the stand-up stages here in uh, uh, around uh, San Francisco. Uh, I actually, uh, I think I mentioned this in an earlier cast when he was a uh, guest on, um, I think, Adam Carolla's show. Is that right? I don't remember. We've had four shows I can't even remember back then. Um, but uh, anyway, I gave uh, Chris some of his earliest stand-up time when I was producing shows here in San Francisco. And uh, a few years ago, I was down in Los Angeles at uh, one of his one-man show events uh, that he was giving on. He was so surprised to see me sitting in the audience, he actually stopped right in the middle of a line. To, Hershon, is that you? Uh, so that was kind of funny to me anyway. Um, anyway, you can hear Christopher Titus at the Titus also on iTunes. And, uh, is that spelled T I G H T A? Sorry, Kenny. I, uh, Kenny, I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you for calling me out on it. It's Titus T I T U S Titus podcast.com. Thanks, Kenny. Uh, that's you're our, welcome. That's our engineering assistant, Kenny. And uh, let's get back to the interview with uh, Phil Ernest and Dean Hagelin. The first time you and I actually met was uh, oh, yes. in Hollywood. Remember? Uh, it was the night that Langley left forever. Oh. You were on stage with Rick Overton, and you were getting your hair cut. That's right. You were there for that. I was. That was I a was. good show. That was uh, Rick's uh, uh, whole idea because I had the long blonde hair for how long? Twenty years at least, and um, and I was doing your movie was coming up, right? Which was Spectres that he directed mm-hmm. that I was in, but also everybody, you know, I had agents said, "Ah, hey, man, you know, cut your hair, get a different look," and I was talked to Rick Overton and said, "Nah." I think I would cut my hair, but it might be funny, you know, I just do it on stage. He goes, oh, no, let's do a whole bit. Like, I'll be your aversion therapist, right? right? And and then you do material, and any joke that I think is cliched or hackneyed, I'll just come off and, like, chop a chunk of hair off. <laughs> I thought, oh, that's brilliant. And he sat back there. He was yeah, so funny. He was, was, like, great. totally perfect. No, was great. And then we put uh, black, uh, we went to a hair net store and found a black scrunchie, curly hair yeah. scrunchie, put that down my pants, and then he... <laughs> Pulled that and got it out of my pants at the end. That's the big ender. And then uh, poor, uh, yeah, then uh, uh, Maze had to follow me after that. I couldn't believe they didn't put that on last. I, I was like the middle act. That was the one show. And where was that? That was, was it, it, the, improv the, in improv, Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. on um, Melrose. Yeah. What, uh, what do you miss most about the X-Files? Oh, I thought you were going to say about my hair. Well, you know, I miss <laughs> J.S. Lazer Tree Conditioner. Now, that smelled delicious, and it worked so smoothly through my hair. What? No. What do I miss most about the X-Files? Yeah. Uh, you know, I kind of actually miss the, uh, the long hours, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, because it was like 16 hours, and you watched the sunrise, and it was like... Man, you'd bitch about it, but it was like, wow, you like, it was solid work, and you have that exhaustion at the end of it. Yeah. That was like, wow, we really like nailed that thing, and, and it was, and it was like working in a mine, and then you knew that when you could kick back, you felt justified kicking back for two weeks, going, yeah. screw you, I was just working sixteen-hour days for two weeks, you bastard. So. Uh, I still work 16-hour days, but I doesn't don't... Doesn't have that same... Doesn't have that same... I, I still feel guilty kicking back, because <laughs> then it's like another 16-hour day the following one, so... Let's, let's face it. I mean, X-Files 
it's very easy to forget, I think, with the with the paranormal and with the conspiracy elements, the mythology that built. It's um, it's easy to forget that that show was allowed to find its footing because it was a really good drama. Mm-hmm. It was a critically acclaimed drama. It was an award-winning drama with excellent acting, with real characters that were that were three-dimensional and recognizably human in the face of all the perhaps. Uh, paranormal or yeah, paranormal or, or supernatural or all those larger than life elements uh, you, we were witnessing actual life right uh, being lived by those characters so I miss that I miss that relationship uh, and and I also miss again getting back to what we were talking about earlier I miss a, a show that brings together so many unique characters almost all of whom might disagree with each other but mm-hmm. will form alliances simply on the base uh, the basis of whether or not they have respect for the authentic truth seeker that that other person is right that we may totally disagree on approach we may totally disagree on what's happening here and we respect each other enough to work together right to try to find answers which is always the thing they said about the gunmen it's like wow I can't believe the three like it seems so unusual guy in his suit and the hacker and the thing would be together and yet that was the thing the common bond of truth seeking well and I said this when I got when we did the kind of the lone gunman reunion podcast I got the chance to thank you on behalf of the fans because uh, it was it was wonderful that the the three of you had this such an obvious friendship and because we got to see how the lone gunman came together it was very clear that the basis of this friendship was this idea that searching for the truth and fighting for things that matter is not only important it's fun right and it's the basis of a friendship right and so that's and, and and i think that that's something that a lot of people to this day are are hungry for and that's why they continue to watch the show again <laughs> 10 years after it was off the air all the way through. This portion of Succotash is brought to you by Henderson's. Innovation in pantaloons and trousers since 1896. Almost 80 years ago, when Grandpa Al Henderson was struggling to raise a family during the Great Depression, he did what any unemployed family man would do, he shoplifted food. But he did it the right way and never got caught because he used his patented Henderson's kleptomatic trousers, made with pride in the USA with not four, not five, but 11 expandable pockets that drape and shape naturally while stylishly concealing fresh fruits and vegetables, eggs, even live poultry, and feed a family of five while never once alerting market vendors or law enforcement officials. Well, as they say, everything old is new again. And now, Henderson's is proud to offer Kleptomatic Plus, microchip equipped to neutralize barcode scanners, exit alarms, and other loss control detectors, so you can walk through any door with confidence. That's Henderson's Kleptomatic and Kleptomatic Plus trousers, helping you provide with confidence in every stride. And now, back to more of Succotash. The word is planking. P-L-A-N-K-I-N-G. Planking. I just learned what that is. Did you really? Like three days ago, because, only because, some stupid... 
stupid Australian kid fell to his yeah, death. Died. Trying yeah. to plank. Trying to plank on yeah. the seventh story of a building a balcony. Well, let me read what this is. Planking is the act of lying face down for a photograph. The term planking originated from Australia, but is actually just another name for the lying down game. The specific <laughs> instructions. Jesus. The specific instructions put your body face down to the ground table or table or an object or anything with your arms to the sides. Yeah, that's really stupid. Again, the act itself is to lie down on the ground. Anybody can do that. That's why kids are getting crazier. You get creativity points for planking in odd places like trees, branches, escalators, animals, or balls, or on Sam Levine. The official planking Facebook page has over 180,000 fans. Yeah, it's getting mad popular. And tons of pictures showcasing the best plankers around the world. The whole idea about planking is to upload it to your Facebook account so your friends can see it and planking alone is not planking at all uh and one last thing as sam mentioned an aussie man died from trying to plank on a balcony plummeting seven stories to the ground police are growing concerned <laughs> that people are trying to one-up each other in their planking wait now i got some i got one picture of the planking i want to show you this is a guy and i'll put this on gloryholeradio.com this is a guy <laughs> planking across two camels backs <laughs> That's one which I got to admit. Wait, this is literally awesome. just the act of laying down. Yeah, yeah. the act but of it, laying on your stomach, on arms something against your side, yeah. somewhere. And here's, yeah. I guess she's. Can we just do one of me outside the window right now? Outside the window? No, uh, I'm not. No, t- I'm not no, killing no. you, planking. No. It's now okay. here's my question. Um, do you, re- Mr. Peepee? Yeah. Do you remember <laughs> in like the uh, the 1950s or 60s when the big <laughs> when all the rage? I don't know. He does. He does. When the ra- yeah, I, you know you're not old enough for this, but uh, when all the rage was like piling into a phone booth or a Volkswagen Beetle or oh, something. A Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah. Yes. Like that was. Oh, we're crazy, man! We're all gonna jump into this Beetle. It's crazy. Exactly. You know why they did that? Because they didn't have the fucking internet or cell phone. <laughs> Video games. Yeah, TV boredom. was three channels. Like you were bored. <laughs> right. This is a thing to do to pass the time. What the fuck is going on in Australia? Did did we cut off the internet to Australia? That yeah, this is well, that what happened. <laughs> yeah. This is a thing. It's happening everywhere too. It's not just that. It's a it's a fad. I'd like to plank on why. I think I don't know. I think we what was your plank with, on? I don't know. I think we could come Susan up with Sarandon. I want to plank ass. on Susan Sarandon's <laughs> vagina. All right. Well, since we're se- uh, segueing it a little bit, what we do you the just the tip words are usually dirty words. Well, we can right. for the most we part. We can dirty. So what, I'm trying to take right. it. So let's all right. So let's say let's make up something for planking other than what it actually means. Like because planking is a flat board. So how could you make something dirty? Uh, I'm going to plank over four tits. <laughs> I bet you do that on a weekend anyway. But that doesn't even mean anything. Um, hey, we're going to call it going woody. <laughs> going woody. <laughs> but it would be like like flattening something. Like, like putting a rolling pin on your dick maybe could be planking. Planking? Uh, oh, I was talking about that. That was just getting weird. <laughs> I thought... involving kitchen utensils. When I first, by the way, saw the term planking before I clicked the link to read that story, I was like planking. What like like they blindfold their friend and they make him walk off of a fucking piece of wood and he doesn't know how far the fall is going to be right. and they fucking tricked him because they made him walk off of a building. Like I was, <laughs> I was like, like is that what planking is? Because that sounds pirates. crazy. Like, yeah, I thought it was like walk the plank, matey. And and it was like oh we set up a net at the top of the building but it didn't catch him. My like I thought that's what the story was going to be. And then when I saw what it actually was, I was like. Are you kidding me? Idiots. What an idiot would die from this. Right. You're supposed to be 20, 
inches off the ground when you do this. Is there a, is there a planking handbook that Not you're, you're getting Not seven stories in the <laughs> Can we? Like, I saw some guy on top of a street sign doing it. That's crazy, too. And I was like, all right, I mean, if he falls, he's going to get kind of fucked up, but I don't think he'd die. That's from uh, The Glory Hole, a short version of The Glory Hole. Uh, They have some short freebie versions. They have versions you can pay for. And uh, that's with the Rob Sprantz, Franco DeVal, Chris Fortney, Big Mike, and their special guest, Sam Levine, uh, talking about the the, uh, fad called planking. Interesting. Um, so uh, you can get them at thegloryhole.com. You can also uh, get them from iTunes, of course. And uh, let's uh, get back to uh, Phil and Dean. Now, let me ask this. Um, because uh, although you are a classically trained improv Yes. I know, yeah. Um, Phil, your ability to um, really analyze things like plot and motivation behind storylines and things like that uh, is uh, incredibly facile. I mean, it's one of the things I really love listening to your show for. And yet, there's it's like you've written the thing out. <laughs> it's amazing. I know our shows aren't scripted at all. Uh, yeah, we never do. I mean, right? I mean, you go, you're 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 always very connected, uh, point to point to point. You remember things you were going to get back to, and you get back to them. Where did you pick up that skill? Oh, debating. Was that your debating days in, in school? In well, school? Uh, yeah, I did do a lot of speech and debate in uh, high school. I, I tend to believe that, uh, you know, we are beings of energy, and energy is, is entirely based on patterns. So if you look at your own life, you'll actually see patterns. Uh, there is no probably one time where it manifested or emerged. It was several different times, and each of those occurrences helped form it. Uh, I don't know what the... Wh- it's its own pompousness, I think, where it really uh, is able to bring it together. <laughs> That's a stony silence and stare that those you and can't I, see. I, what's great is I get to actually see that. <laughs> <laughs> Normally I'm just listening you to, just listen to that. Exactly. You can see it's, 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 it's very it's, funny, it's, isn't it's it? A, it's a slow burn that never explodes. <laughs> That's it's right. It's All right. Fuses, it's own violence it's prevention. It's one of those fuses that gets plucked out just before it gets to the bar. I would say, <laughs> I, I would say <laughs> that uh, when I first was reading, as, as a young man in my early 20s, when I was first reading Hero with a Thousand Faces and and some of the the books that Joseph Campbell wrote, that something he wrote really resonated with me, even as a young person, because I recognized it from my own experience. And that is that uh, the best things in life that we experience completely transcend language in all ways. And that's why we have things like art. uh, Because they're feelings that cannot be put into words. The next best things are things that we apply labels to that don't really cover what we're talking about, like God or love, right? right? We don't, we can give it a name. And those are the next best things, not even the best things. And so Joseph Campbell was asked by Bill Moyers, well, what does that leave us with? And he said, conversation. Right. So all we're left with is conversation. And I feel that I've always been motivated, and maybe because I've always felt a bit like an out, Outsider and and could be the gift of feeling like an outsider is uh, if you embrace that the beauty of being on the outside is you get to start to connect the dots you get to see how all the pieces fit yeah. and I've always been motivated to try to then use conversation as artfully as possible so that we could maybe elevate the conversation into some of those better things and see if we couldn't find a way to start comparing our 
more meaningful experiences about what it means to be human. Right. And then I make fun of it, and yes, that's a you comedy do. podcast. You refuse to allow me to elevate <laughs> the conversation that exactly. way. And therein lies Wait the tension that shit. leads to that romantic relationship based on respect. <laughs> and that's what, that's, that a, that's what that is. I didn't know either, I frankly. Oh my gosh, how embarrassing. This is Succotash Show's uh, fourth show. Also celebrating its fourth show is Professor Blastoff, which is a new podcast. It's got comedians Tig Notaro, Kyle Dunnigan, and David Huntsberger. And uh, they came up with this bizarre idea that they found this laboratory from Professor Blastoff, a guy who had a radio show in the 50s. And uh, they're comics, but they take on these sort of heady subjects about science, religion, humanity. And uh, in a clip from this episode, uh, they're talking about the afterlife directly from the laboratory of Professor Blastoff. Welcome to Professor Blastoff. We are talking about the afterlife. Um, I don't know if you heard Professor Blastoff say heavens to... He talks kind of like a a housewife from middle America. (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Anyway, so um, I, I have not... Have you guys had experiences with the afterlife? I have no personal experience with uh, an out-of-body. With dying? I used to, (laughs) this makes me seem like a lunatic, but as a kid, I would put my head in the snow. You can lose a lot of oxygen, which is nice, but there's, you can, you can pull yourself right out of it. So you're like, I'm dying, right out you go. And you'd have some funky uh, experiences. It's like the lowest form of whippets you could ever do. Would you go out and plan to do that? (laughs) No. Oh, it's snowing. I love the idea of tunnels. It never really snowed enough for me to dig a tunnel. But even if they were like eight inches, I'm like, I'm I'm tunneling. And so I would start. I'm tunneling. (laughs) And uh, I would start. Do tunnel guy again. (laughs) Guys, I'm going to go out and tunnel. It's me, tunnel guy. (laughs) And uh, I'd pile up some snow and then start burrowing through. And I would never get very far. But then I'd. I'd run out of oxygen a lot of times and uh, have some funky stuff. Reminded me, I almost died. I didn't remember. Is somebody making up a story? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just remembered. I'm about to lie. That's right. I was in Iraq. Okay, what happened? No, I um, I was like nine, and there was a. We were at a beach, and there was a little dip where it became like six feet tall, and then it went up to a sandbar, and it was waves were crashing. I was with older kids. And no one realized that I got caught in this, and I was drowning, and then someone luckily picked me out. And to me, it was a very dramatic thing, and they saved my life, but they, no one registered it that I almost died. Uh-huh. But, but I mean, did. did you see anything afterwards, or were you just like, oh my gosh, I almost died? Yeah. Anyway. It's a lot like David's tunnel experience. Tunnel yeah. guy. I had, a, I, had a, I had to be rescued out of a pool. I made Don't a stone. Don't my story. But I had the same thing. I, I like a little, little pumping of the chest, me spitting out some oh, water. Oh, didn't, that didn't happen to me. Oh, yeah. I had like a, a pretty extreme you one. You spit out water like a cartoon. Like a cartoon. Why'd you start with... I'm fine with now. I'm just fine. A little water. fish came out too. Why'd you start with I built a snow tunnel and leave out that you actually had someone perform CPR on you? Because the, the tunnel thing was more of like, uh, one, there's a lot of white going on. So you have more of like a euphoric feel. And mm. two, like I think the lack of oxygen was more more bizarre than than the, the pool thing. I just remember kind of being like, that sucked. You didn't but, know what happened. Yeah, but yeah. I, I wasn't I wasn't grabbing, clutching at people going, there's a God in a heaven. I saw it. Or, you know, I, I saw all of you guys. I, I left my body for a moment. I didn't. Tell I don't think I. tunnel guy. <laughs> I don't think I left my body in any way. I don't think I was starving of oxygen enough even to, to get to that point. Mm. And is that what you feel provokes the afterlife is the. 
I think, I mean, the, like... When people have a lot, uh, a lack of oxygen, then they seems think like, that... Yeah, because parts of your body then, can die before other parts. You know, your, your, your brain can be starved of oxygen. I mean, people get, they get brain damage from lack of oxygen. You know, like in shows where they rescue people and they've been underwater for five minutes and like, oh, good, they're breathing again. You, you're watching it like, well, no, they're ruined. Like their brain is starved of oxygen to the point where they're not really functional anymore. So I think that's that thin line where your brain maybe goes without a little bit of oxygen, allowing you enough time to transport into a different heaven heaven or afterlife place and hell. then come back maybe. Uh-huh. Or hell. Yeah, rarely people have visions of hell. Yeah, I was just going to say, people don't come back going, oh my gosh, I saw a dark light. There was, I saw, what? There was a guy, he was an atheist, and he got converted because he died and he was being taken to hell. And he described it as people were, like, sitting on him. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like hell. Right? How many people? Like fat people, though. Professor Blastoff. Uh, with Tig Notaro, Kyle Dunnigan, and David Huntsberger. You can find them at ProfessorBlastoff.com, also at iTunes. And uh, let's get into our last segment with Dean Haglin and Phil Ernest. Let's talk a little bit about uh, The Truth Is Out There. Yes. Uh, movie you have... You so have that seen. you can get a bad review for this show. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll take the hit for it. Oh, thank you, sir. I'll take the hit for it. Awesome. Yes, The Truth Is Out There is a documentary where uh, Phil followed me around with the camera for years. We went from convention to convention, uh, Berlin, Canada, around the world. Uh, and then we also interviewed many of my friends, Dr. Roger Lear, the uh, alien implant removal specialist, uh, Jordan Maxwell, the uh, conspiracy researcher of uh, all, thi- all, all hidden symbols, um, what was the lovely woman who makes the uh, alien... Uh, the one who claims the, to be a hybrid? A hybrid, yes. yes. The, uh, Cynthia. We, Cynthia. We love her to pieces. And uh, the musical bowl and the guy with the harp and uh, Rob Simone's in there. So all of these came together. And what we found, what I didn't actually... I thought... It's very funny because at the end of it, we said, okay, well, we tried to find the truth and I guess we didn't find it. That was my thinking. And Phil's like, no, we, we totally found it. And I'm like, mm, I don't think we found it. And sure enough, he edited it together where it totally uh, co- coalesced where I was in the trees and couldn't see the forest sort of thing. So, right. Well, I feel like you embodied the truth that we were seeking. because right. I it, don't even know that. It, how, do, how would you know what you embody? Well, I think we all do, to a degree. Right. I mean, we all embody whatever the questions are that we're asking. Right. I guess nobody asked me the question, so I didn't know I was embodying it. Till the documentary. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, what would we like to say about the truth is out there? It's it's, it's equal parts uh, it comedy, and uh, it is also equal parts consciousness and conspiracy. I w- found uh, myself very angry a couple years ago about how it seemed that no meaningful discussion or exchange of ideas could take place without any conversation devolving into talk of conspiracy. And at the same time, having worked with Dean for so many years and having traveled the world with him, uh, you know, I found it I found it more and more interesting the, uh, the longer I knew him how this man who was an improv comic and an artist and studied dance and all these things not only became so closely identified with such an, uh, a key figure in such an iconic series, but also so closely identified with the world of conspiracy. And easily. 
and uh, and and thought, boy, you know, wouldn't it be interesting if we explore this about how conspiracies function, what what function do they serve, uh, by also examining at the same time and documenting what it's like for Dean to go into that world with his arms wide open as they are as he travels through the world saying yes to things. That's, right. that's the improv. That's the whole thing about improv. Right. You say yes, yes to everything. Yeah. What I thought was uh, funny is that uh, you seemed less accessible to that yes and function in the, the sequences in the movie where you're talking to that um, the, the psychologist to the therapist yeah yeah, yeah. The therapist, <laughs> yes, Dr. Nicky she's trying to get to, to he's shutting him. down he's shutting down <laughs> so instead of agreeing with her you always had some sort of defense <laughs> going no that's crazy yeah, yeah. yeah more often than I've ever more, worse than Wayne Brady and that the more he did very, that what was interesting was the more that he does that the more the therapist embodies the yes and yeah exactly yeah. you know so she like, he yeah. would accuse her of like well you're crazy yeah. And, she, go, and okay. she would say, okay, <laughs> right, yeah. sure, ask and answer. That, that to me was a really interesting dichotomy. That's hilarious. You know, we do go into some pretty dark places. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of rabbit holes that we could have uh, been pulled down yep. on this investigation. That we open and, up and show. And, and rabbit holes that you actually see on camera some of our interview subjects get pulled down. Yeah. If only to also get to see them reclaim themselves later in the film. But so uh, this idea of let's actually just eavesdrop on a discussion <laughs> uh, where someone talks about what's coming forward for them right. and, the, and the challenge of continuing to say yes when you're... You know, exhausted because, <laughs> because it, exactly because it will keep coming yeah. it will just yeah. keep on coming and that's the thing you know so many documentaries about conspiracies sort of lay out all the facts like oh and in 1947 blah 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 it's just like okay you know there's so many documentaries that lay all that out what do you do with that information right. how do you coalesce and how do you move forward yeah, from no, that you guys so, did great because you covered so much territory yes a lot of territory which was great well which and at great. the same time we thought oh we should cut like some of it but then it's like anytime you remove one piece the other uh, topics either collapse or you suddenly don't hear them as well or the connections that tie it all together yeah but what i think I, I think i've sort of mentioned it in the review i did in the huffington post yes thank you very much uh, oh sure but, uh, <laughs> the, the idea of you get to see the similarity of what makes a conspiracy kind of function where it comes from and how it lives right as you get to see all of them they're all many of them are very different and then the way that phil you put the movie together we see they're actually very similar uh, at their core. At their core. What makes them live? What makes them breathe? Yeah. So that was really cool. Uh, well, great, guys. I don't want to take up more of your time. I know you got oh, yes. a big premiere happening big premiere. tonight. So we'll we'll see you there. Yeah. Oh, my really, gosh. It's going to be fun. Yes. Thank There's no liquor much. license. Just uh, get liquored up before. I just I bring my little, uh, what do they call it? The, uh, Flask. The porter's, the porter's friend, the thing you strap to your leg. <laughs> With the oh, straw. No, that's to urinate. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get your straws mixed up on that. That'd yeah. be bad. But uh, So uh, once again, uh, just to give you guys a, a little plug, it's the Thank Chill you. Pack Hollywood Hour. Yes. Available at chillpackhollywood.com. Yes. Subscribe at iTunes. By the way, I, it was pointed out to me, and I'm only going to admit this now for the first time, on all our flyers for tonight's screening, my name was spelled wrong. What? I did the flyers. <laughs> I, I left the last S on Lernus off, and the other night I was signing something, and I looked at it and I said, damn, when I sign my name, I leave the last S off. Ah. <laughs> All right, Dean, nice. Phil, thanks very much. Thanks, thanks so much. Mark. We love Succotash Show. Succotash Show. Hooray for Succotash Show.
Yes, that's right. Hooray for Suckatash Show, the number one comedy podcast about comedy podcasts with your host, Mark Hershon. Find Suckatash on the web at SuckatashShow.com. Follow Suckatash on Twitter. Friend Suckatash on Facebook. Email Suckatash at M-A-R-C at SuckatashShow.com. Or for a unique taste treat, try spelling Suckatash after downing a half pint of Johnny Walker Black Label. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino at Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey, and our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you that if Parker Posey married Buster Posey, he'd still be in the hospital asking her to pass the Suckatash. <laughs>